and I remember like crying, man, like secretly at nighttime, like in my bed, like crying my eyes out. My dad was, you know, he really, really struggled throughout his life. Um, he had a lot of issues with uh, drug addiction. People talking about like, you know, high performers and, and successful people. And the the one of the most commonly shared traits is the understanding of um, delayed gratification over instant gratification. And so I'd be taking two painkillers before every single separate session. So like six painkillers a day, um, at least. I'd spoken to Ida, I'd done a lot of research. I knew the thresholds and the drug testing, da, 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 and the risks. And then he was just like, yeah, like, you know, nah, you can't take those. You gotta go back on the painkillers. Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. I'm your host Brian Moylet, former Irish age grade international player, now mindset and performance coach. I help players and teams all over the world overcome setbacks, play in the zone and achieve higher levels. On this podcast, I chat with people at the top level about their journey so that you can get their insights and hear what worked for them. You probably agree that you need to be strong mentally as well as physically, but most players don't know how to work on their mindset. My new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player, is like a gym program, but for your mental strength. In it, you'll learn how to instantly move on when you make mistakes in games, how to feel excited and confident on the field, and how to play in the zone. And it's available now on Amazon. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening, and be sure to send it on to some friends. Cheers. Hey, I hope you're keeping well. Today I'm chatting with Grayson Hart, who is a Kiwi that has played international rugby for Scotland and since retiring has founded Pure Sport. In the pod, we chat about him growing up with ADHD, struggling with self-image and then not getting an academy place out of school to then getting a break and how his career went from there to finding his way in the Northern Hemisphere. We also chat a lot about finding fulfillment, the benefit of discipline, tools to help mental health, and we go into a good few different rabbit holes around those kind of things. We then chat about CBD and its use cases in rugby. I think it's the future. Grayson has obviously sussed that too and is at the forefront of it. So yeah, you'll hear bit about pure sport as well and the company that he has founded which is going from strength to strength as always if you want to get in touch my instagram is at offfield rugby my website is offfieldrugby.com and i will leave links for those in the show notes here for the podcast so here's episode number 81 with grayson hart Dealing with money can be very stressful and especially with everything that's happening in the world right now and stock markets crashing. If you're not an expert, it can be difficult to know what to do. Sparks Wealth is an Irish financial planner and they are experts when it comes to dealing with finances and helping guide you on what's best for your situation. You can book a free call with Will now at Sparks Wealth on their website, sparkswealth.ie. Recently, a family member of mine did just that and was so happy they did so. They said Will guided them through everything in a simple, easy to understand way, no jargon, 
and it was a brilliant experience. So that's sparkswealth.ie. So chat to me a bit about growing up and playing rugby and your journey in NZ. Yeah, man. Um, so growing up in New Zealand, um, it's safe to say that, you know, rugby is just a huge part of our, our culture. Um, but for me, uh, even more so, I was born into a family that um, all I, all, well, rugby was an even bigger part of life than um, a lot of others because my uncle was actually the coach of the All Blacks when I was a little kid growing up. Um, he was head coach from 96 through to 99, but he had been like a, an assistant coach before that. So literally like my whole life, uh, it was a huge part of life. My earliest memories were, um, you know, playing rugby in the park with my dad. So that was my, it was my dad's brother, um, who coached all that. And my, my dad absolutely loved rugby as well. Um, and just, yeah, like some of my best memories in life were rugby. Uh, you know, I remember going to play rugby for the first time, um, how exciting that was, uh, putting on the uniform, like sleep the night before, so excited. Um, just the feeling of being out there and with your teammates and your friends and then having your parents and there to cheer you along and them being proud of you and uh yeah like I just always had a rugby ball in my hand um had you know I, I loved it not just the game like it was something that I loved like I had posters on the wall I had you know if there was toys I could get my hand on um get those uh just just absolutely loved rugby man um so those, those are my early early memories and then when you were a bit older, like as a teenager, did you get into the blues? I saw you played a bit for them when you were younger. Yeah, so I I grew up just loving rugby, playing it. I don't really, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't really think where, whether you're good or not. I don't think you're like mind. Uh, you, I think your perspective of like good or bad only comes into play at a certain age and, and anything in life most things you're sort of just doing and playing and um you know expressing yourself um probably when I was about 13 I made a rep team and that was like oh wow you know like even getting invited to the trials was cool and then I remember like my dad was like buzzing about it and me and him were so excited didn't expect to make it um and then again, like going throughout my high school, uh, I made a few rep teams, but I, I never actually felt that I was that good. Like I always, there was some star players in, in my rep team growing up in New Zealand, especially, but I'm sure most players can relate. Like there's always those kids who are like, they tear it up and, and they're stars and they're like faster and stronger and more skillful. And I was never, ever like that at all. I was like, just was so excited to be able to get picked into some of those teams um and it wasn't until probably I was about 17 and you know I played first 15 in school and I'd made a couple of the the Auckland like under 14s 15s 16s rep teams and I never did well in school at all um I have what they you know call ADHD and um I'm always very apprehensive and careful with how I like use labels and things because I think 
a lot of that comes with some negative connotations and is very misunderstood by a lot of people, including like people who are diagnosed with neuro um, diverse sort of um, uh, brains, I guess. Um, but it caused me a lot of issue, not being able to pay attention, um, not being interested in what we're doing, um, questioning everything, um, not being able to say, stay still. And sport and rugby was the place where I felt like the most sense of belonging and freedom. And and getting into trouble all the time. What start at, at school? I started to like create have this like perspective that I was a bad kid and that I wasn't really um, worthy of like success or. And then on the other side of that, you know, uh, although my uncle was a huge success being the All Blacks coach, and that was something that was so inspiring growing up um, to see that. My dad was, you know, he really, really struggled throughout his life. Um, he had a lot of issues with uh, drug addiction. And um, that was something that really affected like my upbringing and my perspective of like, you know, um, what what I was capable of and what path of life. And because of how he had struggled, you know, we struggled in, in, a, lot, in a lot of ways as kids, you know, um, growing up so you're you you sometimes inherit I guess like limitations and ideas of how how good you can be or or your value to the world and then on top of that I was getting in a lot of trouble at school but I just remember like this one day I think I was 17 um in school and everyone was talking about like what's the plan for like university and like internships and I honestly I had not thought of anything and I and I had just been floating through school, mucking around, having fun, trying not to get in trouble, uh, and getting in too much trouble, but just trying to get by. And I remember this day, I was like, "Man, the real world is coming!" Like, and it was the first time I'd actually thought, "I was like, like school's gonna be done. Like, you can't just keep mucking around. Like, what are you gonna do?" And I literally, I said to him, "I was like, I gotta give this rugby my everything because." I, I literally sat there and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And and I was like, other than rugby, like there, there seemed like no pathway. And that was the moment where I was like, I'm just going to give it everything, man. And um, that year I, I didn't actually make the Auckland under 18s. And that was like the first rep team that I didn't make. And I, and I remember like crying, man, like secretly at nighttime like in my bed like crying my eyes out because I didn't make the team. Uh, and then I was like, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm never going to make into an academy now. And, you know, if you don't make the academy, what do you, how can you go on to be a pro? And um, so that was pretty saddening for me, but I, I, I still had this drive. I was like, nah, this is my chance to live a good life. I'm going to just give it everything. I don't know what else I'm going to put my energy into and I started like going to the gym for the first time my brother um he's three years older he had just qualified as a personal trainer so he got a free pass for a family member or friend so I just started going gym I remember going gym like twice a day I think I went from like 60 kgs up to like maybe 70 and about um it was like something like four months man I put on like nine or ten kgs and I just remember like protein shakes tuna and rice um all like just smell like eating cream rice and like all, all of this and 
um, getting bigger and I'll just be at the park doing sprints, doing shuttles in my backyard, working on my passing, um, working on my kicking down at the park. Um, and I'd like, I had friends who loved rugby. I had a good, one of my best mates who was a rugby, a rugby league player was really, really talented. He played for the junior Kiwis and the warrior. He was in contract with the warriors, um, uh, uh, NRL team. And him and I, like, we used to just do like, would sprint, would do sprints. Like our mates would, would go out on nights out and we'd park the car in the car park and my, our mates would be drinking and we'd be having some beers and stuff, but we'd be like racing, we'd be like, bro, I'll race you to the pole and we're like sprinting. Uh, we'd practice like doing like battling each other out on like side steps. We have like five meter channels, but we just loved it. And it was, it was actually making us better, but we were like pushing ourselves. Um, just, I played touch three three or four times a week for like literally three hours just you know um honing those skills but but just out of the love of playing touch rugby to the light you know till it was pitch black um and my brother and I would be emailing all the academy teams uh and and around New Zealand literally anywhere man like I'd grown up my whole life in Auckland Auckland was the team my uncle had played for and coached and the team me and my dad and family supported so that was my dream to play for Auckland but it didn't matter to me I just wanted to get into an academy I remember emailing literally every academy over and over and they'd all be like oh you know we're full at the moment or oh, like we'll keep an eye on Grace and da, da, da. um and then one day uh one of the guys from the Auckland Academy called up and he goes oh look there's a New Zealand under 21 trial um you're not in line for the trial but one of the scrum half has gotten injured and we need a scrum half to just cover to just for the trial like just to cover the spot to play the game and I was like yeah I'll be there and then me and my dad we drove out uh got there I mean we got lost on the way um so I got there late no more uniforms left so I had this like 3XL uniform but it was it was the trial was the Blues region versus the Chiefs region so it was like Adidas super rugby uniforms and like there's are guys in here who are pro rugby players you know trialing for the New Zealand under 21s um, like stars guys were all in all the academies and no one knew who I was rocked up late I had my 3XL uniform my Blues uniform but I was buzzing to have those three stripes in that Blues uniform and I just remember, man, oh, and actually I, I spent like literally three hours that morning practicing my passing against the fence to make sure was, I was dialed in. Um, I probably, that, looking back, I probably burned a lot of energy. Maybe maybe half an hour would have been fine. But um, got there late, shitting myself, my uniform, just fucking buzzing to have it. I remember I was in the second half, so I was... I was going to play 40 minutes and shitting myself the whole time. And I literally just went out there. And and for me, that was like, that was like an opportunity of a lifetime. Man. And I was, I literally just tore about everywhere. Um, I reckon I made about like 10 tackles in the first 10 minutes I was on, sprinted to every ruck. Um, and all I was thinking, oh, I was just like, get to the ruck, get the ball away quick, quick. And I'm going to make every tackle I can. I'm going to communicate well. And then it was it went by so quickly, and I and I was so immersed and just like ripping in that I didn't have a perspective of how well or not I did. 
But then after the game, like three or four people came up and one was the academy coach and then one was my dad and one was like another player. And then they were like, man, like you, you went hard, bro. Like you, you ripped it up, man. I was like, oh, thanks, man. I just like love being out there. And uh, Pat Lamb, who was the current Auckland coach, he was the last one that came up to me. He was like, oh, mate, you know, you played bloody well. Um, I want to invite you to the Auckland uh, NPC. I can't remember what it was called back then, but, you know, like the provincials, like the, it's called like Mitre 10 Cup or ITM Cup. They keep changing it. I want to invite you to the preseason training. And I was like 18, not in an academy, no job, just training at my local gym uh, with my brother, drinking my protein shakes, doing my passing against the fence. And then when that, he said that to me, I was like, ah, this was the Auckland team I'd grown up loving. Like, and this, at this point, they, they had guys like um, Sam Tuitapo, Ali Williams, uh, John Arfoa, Jerome Kaino, Doug Howlett, who were actually playing in that team. And I was just like, Wow, and I just went there for preseason training, uh, and they had a group of about must have been about fifty players, and I was like, I'm I'm just so happy to be here, man. And if and if I can train here and impress them, maybe I'll get my academy contract that I've been dreaming to try get. And uh, I remember, um, yeah, I, I somehow just got selected in the team as one of the three scrum halves. And then actually week one, game one, Steve Devine, who was like one of the most capped Auckland and Blues scrum halves of all time, leader of the team, unbelievable player, played with the All Blacks. Um, he got took a head knock and then round two I was in and I was on the bench and I got game time and I was just, it was like, Within a couple months, I went from crying that I had not made my under-18s team, uh, not being getting any love from any academies, um, training down at the local, you know, leisure centre, not really knowing what to do, doing like 12 sets of bench and bicep curls and stuff to try and get bigger. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it was a whirlwind, man, but it was literally like, dream come true so and then from there I got a contract pretty much right away I played that whole season I probably started maybe three or four games but I came off the bench throughout that Auckland season most games and then we won the tournament uh, we won the Mighty Ten Cup we won the Ranfilly Shield uh, we went undefeated so it was like a dream season and then I got a Blues contract so yeah that was that was my initial go into professional rugby that's unreal congrats and uh i love how it just started with a decision you know like you're you're at a crossroads you just make that decision or made that decision that this is something you're going after yeah man it was i think there's times in my life and i'm sure lots of people can relate to it it's like there's a conviction that comes from somewhere deeper it's not like just your thinking that's like comes from your heart you know and I just remember I was like I'm just going to give it everything and I want to like not yeah like and and there was there was no pathway for me like like set pathway but I was down at that park on my own 
uh, doing these shuttles and doing the, practicing my kicking and training at the gym, like, like honestly, like with the intensity, like that, I was all black, you know, and there was, I, f- I truly believe there's something about how you go about things and the, the way in which you carry yourself that you can create opportunities because there was, I don't know how, why that guy called me up to come and fill in. It was probably because we were pestering him to um, get me a spot in the academy, but like that was luck that that happened, that that someone got injured and then that opportunity arose, but I was ready for it and I was confident and I was fit and, you know, and I was two, three years younger than all the guys trialing for that team and I was just there to fill the spot, but yeah, I feel that's a lesson and for life, you know, like it's 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 how you go about things. It's not waiting for opportunities to be handed that dictate, you know, what 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 your standard is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And like I say, it's you listen to your heart, and I think then, yeah, you know, when you go all in and when you go after something things just happen things just have a weird way of like falling into your path when Mm -hmm. you're putting in that work and I think a big mistake rugby life whatever I've made it in the past is you get caught up on how it's going to happen you get caught up and you start as you say you get in your head about oh I want to go after this but then you start thinking about how will it happen how will it and like you said with yours like you're down the leisure center like there's how like you didn't even know what the next step was but you just mm-hmm. knew what what it was in your heart or you know not in your head that what you had to do and you just go after it yeah yeah man that's it and like i had an objective that i was clear i didn't exactly know but i knew that there were things i could do right now that would make me feel fulfilled in the knowledge that I was doing what I could do. And yeah, I mean, I feel in times in my life where I've not been feeling content or fulfilled, I I think that it's too much worrying about, you know, all of the things that are out of your power that need to unfold in order to reach an objective rather than being like, okay, this is my objective, this is my goal, and and this is what's in front of me, and this is what today holds. And if I can start my day and then end my day by looking in the mirror and being proud of like how I've carried myself, but also know that things aren't always going to be perfect, and you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, but I can I can improve that, you know, or, or, or I got that wrong today, and that's okay. I'm going to go tomorrow again, you know. Um, I, and, and I do, I do think it is something that sport teaches people. I know people can learn these lessons in other parts of ways in life, of course, but there's something about sport that like, you know, you, you, you've, you've got to leave, you've got to do things that may not be rewarding in that moment. Uh, and you just got to do them over and over and over, and and then the reward, you know, the rewards can come or they may not come. Like you might not win or you might not get the result, you might not get the contract, but you also, because of that uncertainty, you've got to learn to find like joy 
in that process of doing those things that there there may not be like a clear outcome or a clear like benefit in that moment but it's the benefit is like creating a person that is you know more resilient uh more diligent uh and i and i and i think that creates like a clearer mind um and you know um a more uh fulfilled like human you know um and and i do think that's one of the things that like sport can teach us all whether you want to be a professional or not you know it's like um finding that oops, sorry finding that joy in the in the process yeah 100% and that fulfillment you mentioned is really interesting and i think that when you are following something you love and like we awesome people listening will know it maybe through rugby or through sport like growing up like you know how much you love it as a teenager or whatever but when you're giving your all to it you get that fulfillment during the day like day to day so like and even like you say there might be the outcome and there's a struggle but you still feel fulfilled like you wake up in the morning like you mentioned with your two gym sessions like I've been there lots of people have been there when you're just working so hard in a conditioning session or whatever it's not it's not like pleasurable to an extent you know like it's a grind but at the end of the day when you've woken up early you've gotten after it you've given it everything you've got then like you say you look in the mirror and you feel good about yourself and you feel fulfilled and you feel you feel happy and you feel like you're going in the right direction because yes. you're given everything that you've got in in the pursuit or in the towards something that you really care about and something that you love so it's like yeah you don't know what the future holds like we, mm-hmm. none of us do what tomorrow holds but um you know whether you get success whether you don't get success but day to day if you can keep doing that day to day you're fulfilled yeah i agree man and i feel this world this culture that we're in um it really pulls our attention to what you need in the future to be okay uh and it's and it's like a constant pursuit of like an outcome or or something more um that you that you need to have in order to feel happy or okay whereas actually i'm very strongly of the view that the key to you know actual happiness and fulfillment is realizing like that you are fulfilled and the um, capacity for your happiness is here and with you more than or the only place to find happiness is in the here and now but our minds will tell us it's in the future and some outcome or result or like a new house or car or find you know some type of financial stability or or and all these things and it leads us away from immersing ourselves in like the moment now and i think what taking pride in like how you're living and going about things and doing the things that may be easy to overlook uh you know or hard to do now um but putting your attention and focus into those is, is a pretty powerful way to live life and it's I also you know I reckon there's a lot of a lot of the unhappiness that's going on on right now is because we're not I don't feel we are as a culture taught or or, or that there is enough emphasis on taking pride in how we do the little things 
our world now through social media and all this is like trying to drag us all to like oh like you know bloody the perception of others you know other people's opinions of us and that we need x y and z to be of a certain status or like no one actually cares man you know and we need to flip our mindset around to like actually like what what am i doing right now like what what can i do to look in the mirror to to take more pride in within myself of how i'm living my life and you'll be amazed man like there's little things like making your bed making getting up a bit earlier so you're not rushing in the morning like folding your clothes and getting getting them set before you go for the day the next day getting back in the routine of like going to the gym and looking after your body and taking inner pride in how you feel in like your um fitness and your health not not for other people's opinions because that doesn't last like that motivation doesn't last it's like finding pride in the little things you're doing and i and, and the reason i think i'm going down this sort of like avenue in this conversation is because it's something that has become so clear to me after i finished playing rugby like I retired from rugby when the lockdowns happened. Um, and that was a time where ev most people's routines just disappeared. Um, and so it was double for me and other people in my position who, you know, we went from being rugby players to then like I, I didn't only stop um uh sorry, so like everyone like their their routines and things got sort of a line drawn in them when when we got all put in the lockdowns and stuff but on top of that I didn't have another season of rugby ahead of me so I was like okay well everything I know on has stopped now my season's cancelled uh I don't have another season of rugby after this so I don't have anything to in my mind to train for and stay fit for in the way that I always have my whole adult life and um, so I've got this newfound freedom. I don't have these disciplines of training and fitness and like routine and food and all this um, that I need to be working towards. And so it was like a double whammy for me. And actually, it really, really took a huge toll, but it like crept up, it crept up because I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I got freedom. I can get wake up when I want. I can, I don't need to train like I used to. I can eat what I want. And And actually... Uh, the the incremental like creeping up of that uh, and losing sight of how integral those little details and routines and like doing those things that were good for me that I just did naturally as a rugby player and a lot of them because I kind of had to anyway because they were set out for me um, not not being aware of you know how far away from like my feeling of fulfillment and happiness and like you know, looking after myself and how integral that was to me. Um, it took me a good year and a half, I reckon, to fully finally come to terms to be like, okay, like I'm feeling less, my mood is lower, my energy levels are lower. Uh, I'm not feeling good about like my, you know, fitness and health. Um, and I'm I'm seeing like my performance and, and my business is being affected by all these things and in my relationships. And and then but that was like this underlying feeling of that. It wasn't like I hadn't looked it in the eye. And then it was it was one day I was just like, 
fuck. I've just been avoiding the most obvious things because the most obvious things they don't want to be addressed. You know, they're they're the ones that you you overlook because it's like, oh no, but there's always a bigger, it's like, oh no, you know, it's because of the business, um, the pressures and the stress, or I need this outcome to happen in the business for me to be okay and feel better. And then I was like, nah, man, your mind's fooling you. I was like, then I then I finally just looked myself in the mirror. I was like, your your routine, you don't have a reliable routine. You're not training regularly. You're not look like being organized. You, you, like even little things, man. I know it sounds so simple, but like just fucking clean up after yourself when you make food right away. Don't leave it for the day and then have to be like, oh fuck, I gotta do those dishes. Like just having some rigor and pride in all those little things actually realizing that those were the things that were weighing me down and making me feel not as clear and focused and energized and so I wrote all these things out. I was like I'm going to wake up at this time I'm going to make my breakfast at this time I'm going to pack my clothes the night before I'm going to read a book for 10 minutes in the morning regarding no matter what um I'm going to go to the gym minimum of four days a week uh and then, and then I set out an evening routine as well and like it sounds crazy, but the, the doing these things and being consistent, and taking pride in them, it's 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 life changing, man. I can't explain it. So, um, that's why I've gone on that tangent. <laughs> no, I love that, and uh, I talk about that quite a bit as well. And and in my new book about uh, having an evening routine and a morning routine and planning out your week and planning out your day, and. I found similarly, I had a period where I was depressed after shoulder injury and other things, just other things happened as well. And um, anyway, I was just way out of whack. And it was like that I was, I was just got to a point where I was like, I need to get back to being myself and yeah. having the purpose was one thing. And then I, the same look back to when I was a player, like, you know, playing and I was like, I was working out a lot. I was getting up at a certain time and I had to be diligent with my food and I had to, you know, live my life in a certain way. And that structure and that routine is so, so important for, for everything, like for mental health and then for performance after that, like you get yourself to a certain level and then it's, and then it's, um, it helps your performance beat and your business beat and whatever it is, your, your life in general and how you are. And uh, yeah, I just think it's, we have so much control over we have a lot of control over things you know like we can like you say getting up early getting a workout in reading a book whatever whatever and uh, mm. I think something that scares people as well is the discipline but mm. I like um, Jocko Willink I think it's Tim who says discipline equals freedom and it's yeah. so true I'm the yeah. same now I like I have my, my planner over here and I like plan out like everything, you know, yeah, get what yeah. time I get up at, you know, get up, breath work, cold shower, meditation, go to the gym, work at nine, da, 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 and just map it all out. Yeah. And yeah, it's so easy then. I think there's a part of us, a part of our mind or a part of us that just want to follow, follow something, just want to follow structure, mm. routine. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, man, it's so true. And it's not spoken about enough. And it's, like like there's all these people suffering in the world like mentally with depression and like you know health issues as well and and 
no one wants to, or not no one, sorry, but the majority, we don't want to look in the mirror. And and I can say I, I had a year and a half, you know, don't get me wrong, I wasn't like living like ridiculously, you know, I was still you know, doing some training here and there and like trying to eat well and like, but but not, it was none of it was consistent. And, you know, then I didn't, and then I knew, I was like, man, like, it's not good to be like waking up and then rushing to work and like, and you have these underlying knowledge. But what I challenge anyone who's listening to this to do, like, like honestly, just sit down and, you know, truly look yourself in the mirror and write down some things and start small. You know, like maybe start with like three things that you know you can do differently for the next week and challenge yourself to do it for a week and see how you feel. Like write it in a book. Be like, I'm going to wake up half an hour earlier. I'm going to make my breakfast rather than I'm fucking try to find something in a rush along the way. Uh, I'm going to read a book for 10 minutes. Here's here's one that I, I would recommend to everyone. Switch your, don't go on your phone for the first hour of the day. Honestly, man, our our world is addicted to the these phones because they're designed to be addictive. They, and we don't realize it because it's just become a norm to, to, to your alarm, for your alarm to go off and you to go and look at your WhatsApp or maybe check your Instagram DMs or emails. Our brains aren't designed to get flooded with an access to all these people and all this information and all this, these problems and things to resolve or people to respond. And we wonder why by like 10 a.m. we're feeling anxious and that we run out of energy and our moods are low because we're not fucking designed to be subjected to that. So set yourself a goal. Don't go on your phone for the first hour of the day for a week. See how you feel. Uh, one for me is like reading a book man like I used to love reading um like you know what it's like Brian like as a rugby player you train hard you do all your you, you do all that you can do but you do have a fair amount of free time around it you know you got to recover between sessions you got you get full days off during the week there's times where you know there's blocks in the season where you get a full week off you know and I, I loved reading, man. Like it was the thing that, you know, transformed my life. Um, you know, from being someone who really, really struggled in school and then my life was rugby and then I I, I utilized my free time and I loved reading. But at, when I started pure sport, I was so like immersed in all the things I had to do. And I was so much busier than when I was a rugby player and so many different things to think of. And reading became something that like went you know, on the back burner for me. And I always had these underlying things like, nah, like reading's good for you, man. Like it's helped make you who you are, like get back into reading. But then I'd always have excuse like, oh man, nah, 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 it's too busy, man. Like this or that. Set it in your routine. Right. Like I write my routine morning and night now. And I'll even if it's 10 minutes. The world we live in, with all the technology and the way things are now, it's trying to um, condition our mind to want everything quickly, you know. And what that does is that that brings a knock-on effect into all the other things we do in life. That's there's things in life. I'm sorry, man, but you just can't do like a click-on delivery on your meals. There, not everything in life should work that way, you know. Like 
is things where you've got to actually sit down, be completely present and do the work that needs to be done. But when we're hooked in the cycle of things happening so quickly, our brain resists wanting to do or needing to do things that take time. But the, this is why I'm going down the thing with reading, reading, reading a book. And audiobooks are great. Like I love audiobooks too. Like I'll listen to audiobook at the gym and stuff. Um, but actually reading a physical book, even if it's for 10 minutes in the morning and the night, it's 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 retraining your brain to like just have to immerse yourself in something presently. Because you can't re you can't read properly while um doing other things. And you know, because you get to the end of the page, you're like, oh fuck, I didn't digest any of that. So reading for me is more than just the information and the cool like you know stuff that you're absorbing through the book it's it's re it's it's like the gym man it's like conditioning for your mind to to relearn and get good at again just doing something presently and the knock-on effect for that in my life is like when it comes to things in work that i need to sit down and immerse myself in when there's all these other things going on i'm like i'm more happy to do that reading emails that need to be presently read and digested. I'm, 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 I'm better at doing that. And then the knock-on effect is you'll find you you make your way out of like certain patterns that you are just caught up in without ever questioning them. You know, like I was in this pattern for ages that it didn't matter what time I finished work and what time I my day wasn't done unless I had at least like 30 minutes to an hour of watching Netflix because that that was to in my brain it had become a habitual sign of now nah, I've been able to relax now and I've been able to stop and that's just not not necessarily true but we hold on to these patterns so so read like reading has been like there'll be times now where I'm like oh yeah I could watch like something on Netflix but actually I, I just feel like reading I just want to read that book that I read for 10 minutes earlier and I and I want to read it because I'm interested in it so you start to like be able to break down certain patterns that have just become habitual that aren't necessarily good habits, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the no phone in the first hour in the morning and then also the last hour before bed, I think is is like a golden bullet for, for feeling good. It's wild. I, I started that about two years ago myself and it's it's really wild. And like you say, I would encourage anyone to do that. It's it's incredible how different you feel. It's it's mad. It's hard to even put into words what people they'll know themselves when they do it. And uh, yeah. the reading, I, I it's funny. I fully agree with you too. I am. Um, I was never diagnosed with anything in school, ADHD or anything. But my whole experience as well was being kicked out of class, messing, not being able to sit still. Um, you know, I and I just wanted to be outside playing and had too much energy. But I never read as a kid and I was always just one to play. And it's funny, in my mid early, I don't know, it was about 23 or four, I started reading, you know, early 20s, I started reading as well. And it's something I yeah do habitually now also. And uh, yeah, it helps you slow down because like you say, the phone and the just has conditioned us to just be have our minds going at a million miles an hour all the time and like you say the important kind of like the important things in life are if you want to 
achieve things that are worthwhile, you can't do it quickly. And, and I know I'm not saying like it's all about achieving or whatever, but if you want to be the right, the person you want to be, like say we're talking about changing habits and looking at yourself and whatever, you can't just click a, a button and it changes. You know, mm. these habits or these things, they're hard to build in. Or, you know, if you want to build something like you're building a company, like you're building these different things, it's not like there's not a quick fix where it's like you click certain buttons and then boom, it all happens. And that's mm. something that I certainly fell into as well. We see like, overnight success or you know like someone blows up or something and it's just it's just not the way the world works it really isn't and i think the companies as well have also conditioned you to doing that and you or to thinking that way to thinking that oh you can you can just overnight just become hugely successful or you can just overnight this app change your life or overnight whatever and it's we have to be willing to slow down and kind of commit to a long-term way of being or whatever and and the reading yeah 100 uh, mm-hmm. helps that yeah absolutely I, I i don't know the actual like stats or anything behind it but um i've seen in multiple different like um you know expert from experts and and people talking about like you know high performers and and successful people and the the one of the most commonly shared traits is the understanding of um, delayed gratification over instant gratification. And so it's like consciously making choices that are good for you long-term uh, over choices that are like easy or rewarding right now. And that's the, that's the thing that we're talking about here around actually sitting down and looking in the mirror. You know, when I did that, there were so many things that were easily justified like you know it's like, oh now I'm busy and I'm running a business and this and that and the other and da 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 and the e, e our brains are our minds are so good at justifying stuff man like they're like experts of like finding excuses and justifying and but actually you have to go beyond that chattering day-to-day mind that's real good at making excuses and 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 really challenge yourself and be like but is that excuse, is it really an excuse? And your feeling and your heart will tell you the truth. And and we're all living, all of us, me included, and you and the best in the world, like that are up there that, you know, we learn from and look up to that are doing amazing things. There's always things within us all that, you know, our hearts there behind the scenes be like, hey, like look in this direction and you can improve here. Um and not like improve for the outcome, just improve for your happiness and your fulfillment right now. Um, and I and I can honestly say it's confronting and it's hard, but like it's the best thing anyone can do. And to be able to understand and look and choose choices for delayed gratification over instant, like you said, the reading, the taking the time to prepare the meals, the getting up earlier. Uh, the going to the gym consistently, N- not not as like box tickers, you know, not as like a means to an end, uh, but actually like with purpose and with, um, you know, like commitment and discipline. Those are the things that build like unbelievable momentum, um, not, not only like for the future, but just like actually... The, the impact that they have on us here and now in terms of our clarity of mind, our mood, our energy are profound. 
Absolutely. The momentum's a brilliant thing as well. But uh switching up a little bit, I wanna chat to you about pure sports. So as I was saying offline, I was in with a professional team recently chatting to people and they talked to me about pure sport and that's you know a couple of months ago and that's where I learned about it first and I was saying to you as well how I had stopped playing because of concussion and yeah they they were explained they were showing me the products and then they were explaining about um CBD which I know all about and I'm a huge huge fan of I've been using it for a while and uh, the nootropics the mushroom blends which um yeah can help with with various different things is something i'm fascinated with and i've been looking into myself a little bit over the last couple of years but chat so chat to me about um yeah pure sport and what you're doing there and the different products yeah so so pure sport um our mission is to provide the most trusted um certified and effective natural products to optimize people's health and performance so the focuses are on uh, mushrooms nootropics and cbd cbd stands for cannabidiol which is a completely legal and non-psychoactive compound from, from the of the cannabis plant um so pure sport came to life as the world's first fully uh, batch test and certified range of these types of products for drug tested athletes and um, workplace drug tested professionals and and that arose because throughout my uh, rugby career um at the age of 24 i actually was sent for a scan on a knee that was swollen that had been causing me um, issues on and off for for about a year just with pain and swelling um and then the scan came back from and then we sat down with all the medical staff um this is when i was playing for for edinburgh and the, the pro 14 and heineken cup um and they were like yeah like your knee is absolutely buggered like there's no cartilage you got bone spurs it's unstable there's all this fluid uh and it's what they described as a degenerative knee and it was osteoarthritic and all this and um they were like yeah like the specialist is advised you should retire and that you're going to need a knee replacement by the time you're 40 um and i was just like what the fuck i, I went from you know having knowing I had some issue with my knee because I had had a meniscus, a couple of issues with the meniscus and some surgery and stuff like that uh, previous years. And I just thought it was like something that had built up that I needed to get a, a clean out surgery or whatever. Um, and so it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, and that was pretty shocking. Um, and I, I got sent to a couple of other specialists to like get second and third opinions um, on, on what to do. And the advice by them all was like, yeah, your knee is buggered and you are going to need a knee replacement. And um, But because I was still functional um, as a player in that, at that time, they couldn't say, like they couldn't, the club couldn't terminate my contract. Um, so, but what that does is, it, you know, any player that knows that the club's sort of looking over their shoulders on like, if they're worried about a player's long-term like ability to play, um, what that means for like your next contract and things like that it's it's not a very good feeling so I always tried to like downplay any time that I was having pain or um, things like that but what that did was um, led me on a, to real reliance on painkillers um, and then also like the club was 
you know, providing me with cortisone injections to um, help me get me through the seasons and stuff like that. So I could keep training and playing um, and, and then providing me with lots of painkillers. Um, and it just got to a point where I, one day, man, like probably doing that for a good two years. Uh, and at the worst points, you know, um, in, the, in the pro rugby setup, you do three sessions a day often. So you got like your, your main weight session, you got your, back session then you got your team session and so I'd be taking two painkillers before every single separate session so like six painkillers a day um at least you know at times and doing that for like a couple seasons on end um I remember one day like just I was like oh my god like this is not a good way to live life like my stomach was aching all the time like my sleep quality was poor like I was having like you know, really like up and down feelings of my mood and like because of like the drugs going in and out of my system. Um, and it was, I just realized, man, I was like, there's no way to live life. But all I wanted and all I dreamed of was rugby and I didn't want to like stop doing it. So I, I want to try find ways to like naturally relieve the pain and get off painkillers. And it wasn't just about like relieving pain. It was trying to understand how I could like optimize my body so I didn't have as much inflammation and pain and stuff like that. So um, it led me on to like a lot of research and it opened me up to a world like of natural alternatives that the, the professional sporting world, like we just weren't aware of or, you know, because in the world of sport, you're, you're really like provided information that, you know, your club and the current like landscape of professional sport offers you, which is quite like similar across the board in all different sports, you know, and from like SNC to diet to recovery, they all sort of like evolve at the same time through across most professional sports. Don't get me wrong, there are some that are more ahead of the curve than others, but, you know, most are playing off the same hymn sheet. Um, and, the, and in that current time, natural wasn't really something that was being looked at. It was, you know, you got your protein powder, you got your creatine, uh, and you take painkillers, you know, and take maybe a pre-workout and your coffee and your caffeine, all of that. Um, but down this rabbit hole I went of like nootropics, mushrooms, um, CBD, uh, other, you know, things around diet and learning about inflammatory foods and anti-inflammatory foods and, and all of this. But it also just opened me up hugely to like um, having much more of a appreciation and understanding of like how integral, you know, recovery, not just as a box ticker, but as a way of life is, um, you know, um, sleep quality and diet and, you know, intake of like certain foods and, and caffeine. So I, so I really became like immersed in like optimizing my mind and my body. Um, and through that, that was where my like real interest in like mushrooms and mushrooms was the first one that really stood out to me is like, there's some really interesting things around like um, cognitive performance for, you know, memory and focus, but also um, taking lots of um, head knocks and stuff. Um the down the line impact on our brains for like cognitive degeneration that you know um contact sport athletes go through um so i was really interested in that something like uh, a, a mushroom called lion's mane there was a lot of scientific research on how it was helping repair neural pathways in the brain um 
And then uh, another one, reishi, for example, reishi mushroom helping to enhance sleep quality, um, digestion, and things like that. And then I came across CBD, and I also and I saw that it was scientifically proven to interact with receptors in the body to help the body enhance its natural ability to relieve pain and inflammation, and then it also had benefits around like stress and sleep quality. So I just started trialing all these products and researching them and like looking up the risks of like the drug testing stuff and talking to WADA because you can, like as a current drug test athlete, you can speak to them and made my own informed decisions of the risks and stuff that I was willing to take because for me, I was like, I want to get away from these painkillers. Like being a human and living well is became really um, clear and important to me um, as much as being a, a, a rugby player. Um and the two went hand in hand in my eyes. And then anyway, uh, a, long, a, a few months down the line of really putting these products to the test, it was the first time in years that I was able to actually get off painkillers. My knee was still obviously like struggling because the, 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 you know, biomechanics of it and the, the cartilage being gone and all this, like there was still issues there. But I was able to train and play without the painkillers for the first time and um then what i noticed hugely was like my sleep my mood and my energy levels were like it was almost like over the two years of six painkillers a day the gradual build-up i i didn't realize how suboptimally i was living you know until i got on, had gotten off them and like they had cleared my system after a couple months I was just like, wow, like my energy, like everything, my mood. And and I was like, that's when I was like, bro, I cannot go back to those painkillers, man. Like I, this is, I, I, I feel like a new human. And eventually my team doctor, um, one day when we were talking, having like a check-in on my knee and like how it was going and he would usually give me all my painkillers in and he was like oh you've not been really taking these painkillers late um what's a go um and I was like oh, I've been taking this these CBD products specifically because they were the ones that were most helpful for my pain and inflammation and then he goes okay well, let me speak to the club and look into it and then um uh, he came back like the next day and and he was like and I knew I, I was going to have like some challenges from them but I'd spoken to Ida I'd done a lot of research I knew the thresholds and the drug testing da, 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 and the risks and then he was just like yeah like you know nah, you can't take those you'll go back on the painkillers and I was like I was like nah nah like I've really researched I, I'm good like, I want to make my own decision and then it ended up that the club was like you can't like if you take those products you're in breach of your contract and I was like fuck man like let, I'm a human like let me make my choice like, I'm not I'm not promoting them I'm not telling anyone else this is my choice and I'm going to take my risk and I'll and I'll really equip myself with the knowledge and information and I feel it's there's no risk here and uh, this is what I want to do and they're like no you'll but anyway, I, I kept taking them, I just didn't tell them. But um, what that did was, I I then had this idea, I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to create the world's first fully batch tested and certified, because this should never be a problem for another athlete. We should be able to take these products, and we should be aware of them, because we just handed out painkillers, that's the only option. And that's how my idea for Pure Sport began. 
And that's what we achieved in 2019. We had the world's first full range of fully certified for drug tested athletes. And we then, you know, gone on to develop and bring in new products that, you know, were part of the plan all along, but just took some time as the business grew to have more resource around like the mushrooms for, you know, lion's mane for cognitive function and brain health, uh, reishi for sleep and digestion and um, stress. Cordyceps is an amazing mushroom that's scientifically proven to enhance VO2 max, so uh, endurance and, and lung capacity. Uh, and then we have the balm, which is, um, you know, being replacing painkillers um, and, and so many people from athletes to my grandparents with arthritis. And my whole mission was to create these products to provide the athletes the opportunity to utilize them safely and um, without being told they couldn't um, to optimize their, their health and their performance but to use that platform to introduce these to the wider world because, you know, not only in sport, but in our Western culture, what I learned was there was a real like suppression of, you know, the power of, of nature because I think that big pharma and Western medicine are like really owned the narrative on what we should do and how we should do things. And it was very one, one-sided and I'm absolutely not against certain pharmaceuticals use at certain times and, and Western medicine, absolutely not. I think they are doing unbelievable things in, in certain you know, places, but as a like across the board solution, which I feel is what it's become in the Western culture of like, if you're in pain, take pain, because you can't sleep, take sleeping pills. If you're anxious, take anti-anxiety. It's the same quick fix mentality that's causing us unhappiness when we're not, you know, we just want our food via delivery all the time. Uh, we want success in life and work and physique right away. Uh, we want, if, rather than, you know, going out and meeting people and connecting and actually socializing, we just want to meet a girlfriend online, like just like that. And the same with our health, you know, and actually we need to question that. And we need to equip ourselves with knowledge. And that's really what Pure Sports mission is, is to provide those products, but provide like a community and a place of knowledge to empower people to be like, but what can I do to, to um, be more optimal? And what can I learn? And what can I implement? And what can I take? Um, and what can I stop doing? So yeah, that's, that's, that's Pure Sport. That's brilliant. And I am, um, yeah, similarly, when I was younger, <clears throat> we would have been given like painkillers, like actually given them. I was the same way you were too, actually. Yeah. And I would have just popped them without even thinking. And you take ibuprofens, you get them over the counter yourself. And a good friend of mine is a doctor and said that he sees so many people, young people in their 30s, and their livers are ruined from yeah. taking ibuprofens all the time. Like they're getting liver transplants or they're just ruined. Yeah. And I would have popped two or three of them after every game, sometimes before games. And then sometimes you get diaphene, you know, which is harder stuff. And once again, you just take it without, you just, yeah. Cause yeah. You're, and I think as well, a part of the drinking culture, I think drinking problem in rugby is the, because you go through a lot of pain like it's sore so after a game you're you're physically very sore obviously and 
a beer dulls the pain and having a few beers and don't get me wrong if people want to have a few beers have a few beers but that can then lead to binge drinking lead to other things and the cbd i just think is incredible it's incredible and like all players should be aware of it because it is incredible for dealing with pain unreal and it's also unreal for like stress and and um on and just relaxing as well in that i as I said, use it myself. And I found even since the concussion, like I'm good now, but if I'm on the screen on the laptops all day, like doing this and um, then I'm working and I'm just busy. And just at the end of a day after, you know, hours and hours, I can just heck be a bit fried and, um, you know, go out for a walk, but take a, a CBD tablet and um, it, it just helps relax all of that. Yeah. Nah, 100%. And you know, it's people like yourself who are living your life very authentically and wanting to improve and optimize that are the, the most amazing advocates for how these products work. And because there's too many people out there and there's also too many brands and companies who are trying to promote things in the way that they don't really work. It's like, it's like marketing. It's like, you know, I see brands in the mushroom and the CBD space who they literally try to promote these things as like, a miracle pill or you know and what it's doing is it's ruining the reputation and, and it's ruining the um opportunity that we have to like build that knowledge and and trust and understanding and and people in a uh category in an area and a type of product that's new to a lot of people and and the problem is we're we've become so conditioned to like wanting things that like just fix a mask an issue they don't fix it sorry that mask an issue you know like you said like the bear after a game when your shoulder's absolutely buggered or you know um whatever else if after a rugby game and you have a bear and it like numbs that pain um or, or you take those painkillers and it just like masks the pain um what we're trying to do is implement and and provide knowledge and an understanding around how we can work with our bodies to help relieve and recover from that pain um, not mask it because when you life you know you don't have to look far in life to know that when you mask things and you suppress things they always come back around to bite you you know and and what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide products and knowledge that say hey this works like this, it works with your body, it works gradually, and it works um, naturally. And, and and it's not a mask, it's not a quick fix, it's part of your lifestyle now. And um, yeah, so to have, have people like yourself who, you know, understand that way of life to share it is, is a really, really powerful thing. Because unfortunately, there's too much out there that's trying to sell that but it's like that limitless pill you know it's not real man it doesn't work that way yeah and it's um i'm conscious of time but last one i'm i'm it's a 100 percent. it's it's a piece of the puzzle it's like stretching after your workout or it's like eating healthily or it's like getting good sleep having good sleep habits and yeah i i know exactly what you mean sometimes you see it all cbd and people they could sometimes i kind of see like oh 
their life is upside down but it's like i'll try to start taking cbd yeah. it's like yeah. it's like yeah. no 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 it's it's not yeah. it's not it it's, yeah like i got i got friends and um like they'll come to me and they're working in the city and like working hard and um and but i know like they're going to the pub all the time and drinking a lot and and you know like they'll say oh mate like i saw you know lion's mane's gonna help me like focus and um like help with like energy levels and stuff um like uh, what do you reckon and i'll say look like it can have those benefits and yes like that is some of the benefits that you'll see but actually as a friend, I reckon like there's things that you can address that are going to have way more of an impact right away than what that product can have. And actually by addressing those, these, some lifestyle changes that, because if it's energy and focus you're looking for, I reckon some of these lifestyle changes are going to impact that far more greatly. And then if you use the lines, man, then it's going to take that to another level, you know? Um, But again, it's like people don't want to do the things that are like, the like the harder things to do you know um the more the more confronting like but like the the the, when it comes to the question like but how am i living you know people like oh yeah but then people will give me this lion's mane and then i'll be like you know boom or people sport cbd i'll take before bed and i'll sleep like a champ yes it can have these amazing benefits but actually man change some of your ways of living start having coffee at like 5 p.m or you know like start waking up at a consistent hour and going to bed at a consistent hour and and you'll sleep better and then you take cv and you'll go to another level you know um but yeah it's it's definitely part of the challenge and it's a challenge that we love because for us pure sports so much more than our products it's like our our brand is around like a lifestyle and a community and providing knowledge um and yeah that's what that's what we love brilliant stuff well congrats on everything so far and keep up the brilliant work as i was saying before a few different rugby players have spoke to me about how much they how much benefit they get from your products and uh yeah likewise i think it's uh it's unreal and it's definitely the future and hopefully closer to the present as well yeah Nah, thank you so much, man. And well done on all you're doing with the podcast and your coaching and your writing. And uh, it's amazing, you know, to be able to give insight into different mindsets and perspectives and which, uh, you know, can so often be, be easily overlooked. But actually, you know, from this conversation, from our, you know, mine and yours perspective anyway, are some of the most important things. So appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the chat. I love Grayson's mission at Pure Sport and I've chatted quite a bit about drinking in the past and as always, as I always say, if anyone wants to have a drink for sure, do what you want to do. But I think that a part of the drinking culture in rugby is because it's such a physical game and you come off the field hurt. And so growing up or when you're a young adult, when I was anyway, 10 years ago having a drink is what helps you with the pain and there are other ways like CBD can do that job so I think it's really important that there's more awareness brought to CBD so that people can 
yeah just have the choice or be aware of it and then have the choice if they want to take cbd after a game to help with the pain or have a drink but also i think there was hopefully was and not still is a problem with painkillers in rugby so grayson talked about his experience there and i can say myself as well there was periods where i'd be taking ibuprofens after every single game and if i could get my hands on them diaphene and it often wasn't difficult to get my hands on them like people would have them the physio would have them and yeah you just get diaphene after games which are pretty strong painkiller and once again we weren't aware of the negative side effects like if you're taking these ibuprofens and anti-inflammatories all the time they can badly affect your liver and anyway so yeah after games often we'd be taking four or six hundred milligrams of ibuprofen or diaphene drinking heavily and yeah we just we didn't understand how negative it can be for you and we didn't have other ways to manage the pain and yeah that's where i think cbd comes into the game because we all love rugby for its physicality we don't not want to play a physical game and yeah that's why you go out in the field to go to battle but you know after when you're a bit banged up there are better ways to manage that pain now and of course don't get me wrong recovery like cold baths and wearing compression and all those like hot cold all that other stuff of course yeah all that stuff as well for recovery eating well sleeping well that night all that stuff don't get me wrong but um yeah i really believe cbd has a part to play there too so fair play to him for what he's doing at pure sport and by all accounts it looks like he is having huge successes there so hats off i also loved how grayson chatted about his way into the game and how it wasn't a straight line how he didn't get an academy contract and he just had a dream and he went all in on that dream and he worked as hard as he possibly could and section one of my book is pretty much that have a big dream go all in work as hard as you can and another thing that i talk about in section one of the book is to know your why so know why you're doing it because when you're doing that when you're gone all in on your dream it can be very difficult like grayson was saying there he's training down in the local gym the local community center people aren't looking at him and that's not easy so there will be times when you'll be motivated there'll be days you wake up and you just can't wait to get to the gym you can't wait to get after it but there will also be many days where that motivation is lacking you don't have that energy and enthusiasm the way you do in other days and that's when it's important to know why you're doing it and in chapter two of my book i give you an exercise which you can do and it'll help you understand your why on a deeper level which will in turn help you keep going when the going inevitably gets tough on Grayson's journey as well into the game a quote that I really like 
is success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm and that's something that i keep reminding myself because you know on my journey what i'm doing now as well there's loads of times where i'm like oh could have done that better oh i didn't do that well oh and it seems like there's little we'll say micro failures all the time but if failure is just something to embrace like the michael jordan quote about missing all the shots and that's why he's a success and Kobe talks about it as well that he doesn't fear failure and failure is just a learning opportunity which it is and yeah that's just what it is failure is just a learning opportunity and I think we get conditioned when we're younger growing up to see failure as a bad thing well I know I did and I know many others do too because the way this plays out is when you're a young lad or young girl playing any sport and if you make a mistake the coaches often go oh or your teammates go oh you dropped the ball oh don't drop the ball and you get a bit of backlash when you make a mistake and that then results in you fearing failure you're afraid of failing and somebody who's very good at this I'm just reminded of right now is Owen Eastwood and I chatted with Owen on this podcast uh, five or ten episodes ago and he spoke about belonging and the importance of belonging sorry that's what he speaks about and his book is incredible and you have to help people belong and something around that is you have to allow people to fail and give them room to do so and for people to feel comfortable failing. Of course, nobody wants to fail. Nobody goes out onto the field wanting to make mistakes. But if you are to be the best version of you, then you have to play at your edge. You have to push it. You have to go for it. You have to back yourself. And when you do all those things, look, there's going to be a mistake along the way or a quote unquote failure. So. I think something that's really important is as a teammate you have to help your teammates when they fail and that's what leadership is I suppose is you know someone on your team makes a mistake go over and put an arm around them and say all good bud let's go again don't worry about it let's go again versus saying oh you know even the slightest bit of unhappiness or dismay or frustration after someone makes a mistake they can feel it so it's so important as players and coaches to understand that we're all trying our best and if somebody isn't trying their best for sure that's something to look at and that's something to have a chat about you know if you see somebody who isn't putting it in you know you can have a chat with them about you know why is this the case like what what's up here and you know I don't think you don't lash out at them at first there could be many different reasons as to why somebody's as to why it looks like somebody mightn't be fully switched on or given absolutely 100% they could have many things going on in their life but um, I think you always just have to look at effort is someone given 100% effort and yeah that's something that I'm just aware of myself as well when I'm coaching just look at people's effort 
and that's what you want to see and the outcomes whatever they'll be what they'll be and as a coach you have to help players make better decisions sometimes versus saying oh you should have passed the ball or you should have done this it's helping them understand what's best in the moment and anyway bit of a tangent there another thing i was just thinking about after recording or sorry after editing that podcast so i did this chat did this podcast with grayson about two weeks ago when i was back home in ireland and i'm now in christchurch and when i was back in ireland i was very much in good momentum i was being quite disciplined i was you know getting up early i was working hard i was being quite efficient and yeah all good and just something i realized is that when you are in the middle of that we'll say day to day and you're just being disciplined and doing the right things you can often think geez i'd love to just sit down and do nothing for a week and so for the couple of weeks before i left ireland did a lot of work and was trying to bang stuff out and i said to myself when i get to christchurch i'll um take the foot off the pedal for a week and you know settle in whatever whatever and you know i was still the first few days a little bit of jet lag i didn't really have much jet lag though to be honest but you know i was still doing a workout in the morning a little bit of a workout and doing one or two things but i was kind of floating about for two or three days and while i thought this is what i wanted to do when i was being we'll say very efficient in my days back in Ireland after the two or three days you know I was kind of the slightest bit anxious and when I say the slightest bit I mean the slightest bit like I'm just kind of fairly self-aware of this now and you know I kind of use percentages as an analogy and let's say I was 100% back in Ireland and I maybe dropped down to like 97% or 6% and I just realized that, you know, I'm someone, we're all different. And I know as we chatted about neurodivergency in the podcast, our brains are all wired different. And I just, it was kind of a reminder to me that I'm at my best, be it happiest, fulfilled, whatever words you want to, most content, whatever words you want to put on it. I'm at my best when I'm being disciplined, when I'm in a good routine. And I don't need to bore you with it, but there's a few simple things like having my evening routine nailed down where I'm, you know, reading a book, switching off, planning my next day, and then having my morning routine and then getting through tasks. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I have to be working 12 hours a day every day in a laptop or I I get anxious. Not the case at all. I just mean that like, For instance, some of the things were get set up with a mobile phone number in New Zealand, set up my bank account. I just like getting a few bits done. And another thing then yesterday was go to the beach, go to the beach, have a swim in the sea. And that's what I was then doing versus if I have no plan at all for two or three days and I'm kind of floating about doing nothing. I don't know. I I don't really like that. Like I like reading books and making notes and planning and thinking about different things and I just enjoy that and anyway 
sorry, another tangent here, but um, just something I realize myself and a lot of people talk about this, the power of discipline. And it's just something that I was made aware of. You know, I, we chatted, I chatted about it with Grayson and then, yeah, it's just something that came up for me. And another thing is that discipline isn't the easiest thing. It's easier to be undisciplined, but there is huge benefit to being disciplined. And yeah, something I just noticed. Last thing. So I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that I was working on the audiobook. I was narrating the audiobook for the book on how you become a pro rugby player. I was aiming to get that out by Feb 6th or Feb 7th when I landed in Christchurch. That hasn't happened. And a little bit of an update on that for you. So I've recorded the whole thing. I have it all done and I have it saved on files on my laptop. And I went on to this platform that you go on to publish it, which pushes it out to 40 different audiobook companies or audiobook platforms. And anyway, there's an issue with the decibels, the way they're recorded. And it's something that I'm looking into now. I'm not an expert on this at all. And nearly everything I do, I start out as not an expert, would say like with starting this podcast, hadn't a clue how to start a podcast. But I just decided that I was going to do it with putting content out on Instagram. Hadn't a clue how to do it, really. I could put photos up, don't get me wrong, but making reels that people engage with or making reels that deliver a lot of information in the shortest amount of time, communicating well, all these different things are all things that I've had to learn along the way. And anyway, the audiobook is no different, but like we're kind of talking about with failure look it's just a bump in the road and it's something that I've learned to just take in my stride and understand that yeah these things just happen so anyway the audiobook I'm doing my best that is uh right up there on my to-do list and I'm looking to just understand and then sort out this thing with the decibels or something and then I'll get it up there and I'll get it out so yeah, that's it from me. A very, very last thing. Christchurch is beautiful. It's incredible here. It's a summer and it's such a lovely place. New Zealand, it's unreal. I've only been here barely, not even a week. But um, yeah, it's beautiful. And can't wait to do a bit of traveling and get fully stuck in, in the rugby down here. So hope you are doing well. I will leave my links to my social medias and all that in the description if you want to get in touch with me with anything my instagram is at offfield rugby twitter at offfield rugby tiktok the same linkedin is my name brian moylet my website offfieldrugby.com so yeah if you want to give me any feedback on anything if you want to ask me any questions if you're a player that would like to work together one-on-one -on -one, or if you're a coach and would like to help your players with the mental side of the game, like building confidence, dealing with nerves, performing under pressure, having more self-belief, get in touch with me through that. And yeah, we can do some stuff over Zoom if you are not on the South Island of New Zealand. And if you are on the South Island of New Zealand, we could probably do it in person. 
Right out. Cheers. Have a good one. Good luck.